unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. And please welcome to the show, Christopher Roush. Don't you love that announcement? What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? It is I, your No Excuses Coach, here back with another episode of the Raw Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, here where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Thank you guys for being here, whether you're live or on the replay. This is the video cast version of it. And as always, one week after the show comes out, it comes out on podcasts. So check it out on Apple Tunes, on Spotify, on iHeart, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Do me a solid and go subscribe to that. I'll put the link inside the show here so you guys can make sure you get that. But thank you for being here again, once again, uh, whether you're live or on the replay, we appreciate you guys being here. And truth be told, let's just check this out. Truth be told, we are on, we are on episode 162, 162. I don't ever do that. Like some podcasters sit there and say, oh, we're on episode, you know, one, whatever. We're on 162. We've been going since January of 2019. 2019, I actually did the show right before I went in for back surgery. And uh, you could actually tell on the, um, you can actually see it on the, uh, on the broadcast. I look kind of messed up because I'm all sorts of painkillers and shit like that. But anyways, the raw and unscripted show is here for you to have raw and unscripted conversations designed to move you forward in your confidence and your empowerment and your ability to just navigate life and to fly your freak flag. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. We're going to have a great show for you tonight. There's something I want to draw to your attention and I'm going to draw to your attention that Randy Chaffee's in the house. He says, good evening, brother. What's up, Randy? What's up, kick-ass Randy? How are you doing? truthfully how are you doing i hope you're shining your light man because you got a brilliant light you got a brilliant soul we got to be making sure we do that for one another um and tonight's broadcast is going to be great so make sure you have something to write with and as always be sure to ask us questions and engage with us here in the comments because we love this this is a conversation between all of us we're sitting in a bar we're sitting in a coffee shop we're sitting and we're crocheting mittens for polar bears i don't know what it is we're doing but we're just having a good time and we're expanding our mindsets and we're going out there and we're being a part of the solution and not part of the problem and with that i've got lots of solutions coming up for you guys lots and lots of solutions so uh, i'm going to direct your attention here for a second um yes uh i am working on i made an announcement on facebook and by the way i'm still in facebook jail my original facebook pro with, profile with nearly five thousand listeners or viewers or friends whatever you fucking call them don't call them that they're my friends um that one's still in facebook jail and so i'm using a secondary one um but uh yeah, I announced the other day that as uh, my coach has advised me that uh, I'm not a big person into products. I coach and that's what I do. I coach and I speak and I write books and I do these podcasts. I've never been a big course person or a group coaching person, but at the uh, urgence of my coach uh, and to be able to work with other people and work with people in different financial capacities, I'm going to be putting some courses together, some courses that you can actually download. You can buy, you can download, and you can go through those courses and kind of progress with me through my whole entire program. Uh, so I'm putting that content together. And that's something that has been in demand for probably since 2010. Truth be told, I've got tons of content. I just haven't been that type of a product person. It's like, if you want to work with me, great. Otherwise, you can check out the show. It's no big deal. So I'm going to be putting that content together. And what I want to share with you, because you guys are my misfits for life. You guys are my um, my fans, my, uh, my, uh, my crew. So here on my website, if you guys go to ChristopherRoush.com, you'll see this beautiful website. You can see where I'm coaching. You can see all the different coaching programs I have. You can see my media, my video cast, and actually my old radio show. Uh, you can see my events. You can see my speaking stuff. But if you go over here to the contact page, you see this little thing that says sign up. 
little thing that says sign up right there. If you go there, you're going to come to this page and it's going to say, join my coaching newsletter. First name, last name, email, subscribe. I think if my web designer uh, is awake, I think you get a download with that as well. God's honest truth. I'm not a newsletter person. I'm just raising another guy. I'm not a newsletter person. However, with being in Facebook jail for three times now, my, the urgency again of my coach is I need to connect with you guys. So if you guys are truly, truly interested in being a part of the misfit nation, go there, fill out the form, get on my newsletter, God's honest truth. I'll probably send maybe six new newsletters out this year, but I will be doing more of them. And in that I'm going to be asking you guys to come aboard and try out those courses, try out those programs at a very, very drastically discounted rate. I'm just being transparent with you guys. It's the way I roll. You guys know that. So I'm going to be doing it at a very discounted rate for those people that are on my mailing list. So it's a, it's a way to get you guys in there to make sure that we never lose touch. It's not about me selling you or, or, or spamming you or sending 18 emails. It's about who are the people that really truly want to be in Christopher's tribe. And that's something that I'm learning. I'm not a big person that way. However, after having my Facebook suspended, it made me think about, you know, things a little bit differently. And I want those people who are really truly wanting to take that action to get the result of being able to work with me at a discounted price to check out those programs. Give me some feedback on there and just uh, further work uh, together. So thank you guys for allowing me to share that. Just again, go to ChristopherRoush.com. And if you go up to the contact page, it's all over the place. You can sign up. And then again, of course, you can check out all the different things that I do uh, on there. So if you uh, do that, I would appreciate it. So anyways, let's, without any further ado, we got uh, Richard or uh, Robert in the house. What's up, Robert? He says, hi, Christopher. Good evening. We got Ryan Nurse in the house. Ryan, I got to talk to you, man. There's something that happened. Your show's going to be airing pretty soon. I apologize for that. There's a long story with that. But anyways, thank you, Ryan, for being here. Ryan's calling in from uh, the UK. So um, thank you, Ryan, for being here. My guest tonight has been referred to me by my dear friend, Kellen Ann. She says, you got to have this guy on your podcast. You guys would flow real well. He's got a great attitude. He's got a great sense of enthusiasm. And the truth be told, again, I'm being so honest with you guys. Jesus, I'm not even wearing a lie detector. Um, I've never met Steve. I've never met Steve. Normally, anybody who's on the Ron and Scripted show or the Unfiltered Experience, except for with Scott, um, I talk to those people before they come on the show because I want to make sure you guys get quality guests. I want to make sure you guys have value for your time because I know your time's important. So I always vet the guests who come on here. So I have not done that yet. And that's not a disclaimer to say he's going to be terrible. It's a disclaimer to say we're going to have a great time getting to know each other right now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ron and Scripted show, Mr. Steve Rizzo. What's up, Steve? What's going on, brother? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Then again, I have to say that because I'm a motivational speaker. So yeah, you're <laughs> a motivational not. speaker. You know, motivational speakers could say life sucks. I actually, I actually was going to write a title of a book was Confessions of a Motivational Speaker. God's honest truth, because I go. call myself a motivational speaker at one time. And I was like, and people would say to me, and you might get this, Steve, and I might say, Chris, you're always so happy. You're always so enthusiastic. You're always so positive. It must be nice. And I'm yeah. like, you don't see me the other 23 hours of the day where I'm like fighting through depression. I'm fighting through different things, but I know the tools I need to incorporate in order to stay positive and to stay on track. Talk to us about that. How did you become a motivational speaker? And, and what was the, what was the impetus for that? Well, I started out uh, and, and by the way, I, I, you probably agree with me. I don't like the term motivational speaker, but that's no. the only term I could use for people to understand what I do. I, I kept more speaker. of an attitude adjuster, you know, but motivate, we'll use motivational speaker. But um, I, I started out doing stand-up comedy for 20-some-odd years. Get I, out of town. Who's your favorite comedian? <laughs> Believe it or not. And uh, I headlined clubs and theaters throughout the country. I had my own Showtime special. And uh, at the very- What was your special called? It was called uh, Showtime Comedy All-Star. Showtime and, and Comedy All-Star, the, right? the guy that introduced me was Woody Harrelson. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Is it on YouTube? Is it? Is it uh, you, can, you can get it. Yeah, I go. You have to just Steve Rizzo Showtime. You know, I'm sure. Oh, cool. 
I looked nice. really different. I had a I had hair then, and uh, I had a long ponytail, and uh, uh, it was quite a different look. Quite a different look. But at the pinnacle of my career, I decided to leave and uh, to become a, a a speaker, and uh, it was uh, quite a transition. And it's the best decision I ever made. Why did you uh, leave? Why did you leave comedy? But the humor is still in my presentations, you know. Right. Why did you leave comedy? Um, It's. I was sabotaging sabotaging my success. Ooh, oh, I'm good at that. Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm I'm good at that. Amazing. Um, It's it started years ago. I was voted least likely to succeed in high school. I was told by a guidance counselor when I was in eighth grade that I wasn't smart enough to go to college. And not knowingly, those negative labels uh, came with me in my adult life. You're not aware of it. They just become a part of who you are. And my philosophy in life for a great part was uh, don't try and you can't fail. And uh, Mm -hmm. dreams are for other people. And apparently I'm not one of them. Hung out with the wrong people. Uh, Quite a few of my friends are either passed on from uh, drugs or alcohol abuse or even violence. And a few were in prison. So I did go to college after five years after high school, uh, graduated with high honors and a degree in psychology and uh, English and education, went back to the same school that I graduated from, and I became an English teacher and a counselor for kids with behavioral problems. Wow. Check that out. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And you know know what was really weird, Christopher? As that was going on, comedy clubs started opening up on Long Island and New York, and I, I started delving into that a little bit at night. And I got really good at it, and, and, and really fast, really good. And I what was your st- what was your stick in comedy? What was what was your what was your play? I don't know. You know, it was like uh, I I think the absurdities of life. Yeah. Uh, I talk a lot about sex and how people make a big deal out of it, as great as it is. But yet, as great as it is, it was always a taboo in the minds of most people, and it's something you really shouldn't talk about at a dinner table, which I could never understand. So I pushed it. <laughs> And pushed it to the extreme. My man. Yeah. And what would it sound like if cartoon characters were at an orgy having sex and I would do that? And I just went over way over the top on it, but it it worked. Yeah, it worked. So I started getting a lot of work and I decided to leave the school system and um, I was kicking ass. I was headlining clubs all over the theaters and comedy clubs and my opening acts before they were famous. uh, Chris Rock opened for me. Wow. Uh, open for me. Drew Carey was who was my roommate open for me, Dennis Miller and, and a host of other people. And uh, I noticed my opening acts were getting all the breaks. And I'm saying, why is an opportunity knocking on my door? And I realized it was I was just afraid to open the door. Uh-huh. So my negative labels were coming back to haunt me. And I was sabotaging uh, many great opportunities that were coming my way. How were you doing that? How were you sabotaging? Well, I was on the road a lot and I'm probably on the road more than most comics, most comedians. But I had a management team, a good team and a good agency and a good publicist. And every time there was an audition in L.A. to try out for a sitcom or a movie part or a commercial, I always made an excuse that I couldn't do it because I was booked in Omaha, Nebraska, or Chicago. And my management team was getting pissed off at me, saying, you can't do this. Because any comedian would drop and drop the gig. Hell yeah. But I knew when you auditioned. (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) But my, my philosophy was, and this is where the fear factor came in, it was better for me to be a 
a big fish in a small pond than a little mm. fish in the, o- in, in the in an ocean. Totally, totally and, understand you. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and, but Christopher, you know what it is? This is where the fear came in because I had a I had this thing with authority people and people judging me and looking at me. When you do an audition, the entire audience is their or their industry people. They don't let the public in, so everybody there is looking at you and eyeing you. And which didn't bother, bother, I guess, most comedians, but it did for me. So I avoided that. And when I realized what I was doing, it hurt like hell. And I went on a quest to better myself. I'm making a very long story short here. And I went on a quest to better myself. And I read every self-help book you could think of. And I went to Tony Robbins seminars and spiritual uh, retreats. And through the years, it took years, an incredible transformation was taking place. And I had this impeccable belief in myself. But ironically... That's when the industry, the entertainment industry was interested in me, but I was no longer as interested in them as I was. Mm. And something inside of me kept saying, I want to, I got to do this speaking thing. And the tools that I use to turn my life around are the very tools that I use when I speak to my corporate clients and uh, associations throughout the country. So. Let's, we're going to talk, we're going to definitely talk about that, but I want to go back to little Steve. I want to go back and find out what kind of, what kind of young man were you? Were you a funny guy? What kind of, what kind of little boy uh, were you? And and what was your childhood like a little bit? I was, uh, I was very funny. As a matter of fact, I hung out with the tough guys, but I was the funny guy that everyone really liked. And uh, I used comedy humor as to counteract this fear that I was harboring most of my life. And it always made me fit in. No matter how inadequate I felt when I was funny, I always felt that I fit in. Yeah. I always, always fit in. And um, in, even in the classrooms, I was uh, uh, I was also voted uh, uh, class clown, even though I was <laughs> voted least likely to, to succeed. Were you pushing and, the sex jokes back in grade school? Um, <laughs> not really. No, it wasn't much that mine was just probably making fun of the teachers or whatever it was. I did great impressions, and I even I would imitate every teacher or the principal. And I would even imitate the principal as he was reprimanding me, and he never knew what the hell I was doing. (laughs) That's awesome. Which which made me laugh. But I took it with me, you know, and I had this entertaining value. And when I went to college, my master's was in theater arts, and uh, I I always had the lead roles in in the plays in college, and then I did a few plays off-Broadway, and... So that entertainer part was always there. And that was my, that was my, my gift. So, yeah. So what, what was it that caused you from going being that happy kid to being the kid that was doubting yourself? What, what situation was the one that kind of just made you start having those negative thoughts about yourself? Well, you want knowing every time an opportunity came, I was afraid to fail. You know what I mean? So Why, was, that, I, was that a parental thing? Was that you didn't want to let your parents down? It they, was, it for was me, it was my teachers, parents. I guess it was teachers. And, and my, as great as my mom and dad were, they were they were very negative. And I understand it now because of the, the crap that they went through in their lives. Yep. Very tough. I mean, my father uh, quit school when he was in eighth grade, became successful. But that fear factor, never having enough money was there. So that stuff was, you're always bombarded with it. And, you know, it's funny. A lot of people go through this and they can't understand why they can't get their break and they can't live the life that they want because they're not aware of what's happening to them and Mm -hmm. where these negative labels. They don't even know they have negative labels. It's just the way they view life. And and you can't fix something unless you know that it's broken. 
So it Amen. was the awareness that I knew something was broken. And I said, how did it get there? And what is it? And once I found out the why and the how and the what, then I said, well, you know what? That's the past. The past does not equal the future. I can turn this around. And like I said, Christopher, it didn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And I read a ton of books. And as a matter of fact, it was at a Tony Robbins seminar where I, I've eclect. He was speaking to 4,000 people, and I'm looking at the command that this guy has, mm -hmm. and that there were people, and he was pretty funny. And he, he had people just with tears in their eyes, and they felt so uplifted. And I remember picking up a pen, and I wrote on my paper on my pad, I can do this. And then uh, 20 minutes later, I picked it up again, unknowingly said, I, I should do this. And then a little while went by, and I said, you know what? Damn that I am going to do this. I still have that paper in, in glass on the frame now. And that was it. As soon as I wrote it out, I'm going to do this. That's when my decision came to leave stand-up. Flip the um, fucking switch. That's yeah, what oh, I call oh, it. My coach calls it. She goes, yeah. flip the fucking switch. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Just get, just just get out of your own way. I'll say fuck too. I love fuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the wrong scripted show. There's a disclaimer on the podcast that says it's not for people over 18. So um, we get yeah. we get about anywhere between six and 12 year olds. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see, I'm a comedian too. No, no, no. We got Kellen Ann in the house. She says, what's up? Hey, hey, my favorite guys. What's going on? We got Johanna in the house. Thank you, Johanna, for being here. She goes, we have shitty days too. Yes, we do. Uh, Randy says, what's up, Steve? Do you know, do you know Randy? Yes, I do know Randy. I yeah, know I know Randy, Randy too. That's uh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, Robert says here, I am at the very little hair, but still ponytail stage. We'll cut right. it that shit off, Robert. Cut that shit off. You know me. I used to have long hair, and I cut it all off. Now I just shave it. Um, yeah. Randy says Bob told you to. Oh, he knows. He knows. He knows where we're going with this. We got Jacqueline yeah. in the house. What's up, Jacqueline Rose? She says hello. It is me. That sounds like the intro to a song from back in the seventies. Hello. Todd Yep, Tom Rugman. You got see, I'm a walking jukebox, baby. So fast forwarding a little bit, I like to I like to set the stage for where my sure. uh, where my guests have been through through challenging circumstances. And obviously the last two and a half years of our lives with the pandemic and everything going on and you being a motivational speaker, what have you learned about yourself and what have you learned about humanity over the last couple of years going through this uh in in all the different things you've gone through in your life before? Wow, you, that's such a great question. I don't have an answer, but it's a great question. I want to get. It's um, I. I learned how important the strategies that I learned to become the person that I am as a speaker, how much they really work. Because mm -hmm. twenty twenty hit, everything was canceled. Yep, everything. My calendar was full, and then they would put more dates on the calendar. And, 2021 was looking good. Everything was canceled because people and people today still that fear factor is there. People are still afraid to sit in convention centers and conference rooms uh, because they think the pandemic is still going to spur again. And but what That's I why Florida was, is booming. <laughs> excuse me. That's why Florida is booming. I have a bunch of friends in my speaker industry and they said Florida exactly. is like not afraid. Exactly. Exactly. But I learned uh, resilience. I learned it's not what happens to you. That determines how successful and how happy you're going to be. It's really what you do about what happens. It's the thoughts that you have about the challenge. It's it's the choices that you make. And I said, you know what? I'm going to reinvent myself. Now, mind you, Christopher, I am not tech savvy at all. I have people that do my social media. And I know Kellen Ann is laughing her ass off right now because I call her for help every now and then. But I learned. I bought equipment. I bought lighting. I bought, I bought microphones. And I learned 
And I have my own uh, video podcast. Hey, I'm talking here and it's new, but it's doing very well. Nice. I'm doing a lot of stuff. And I'm, I wrote, this is my fourth book that just came out. So um, I love this new me. And uh, I learned how to give virtual presentations. And a lot of a lot of speakers have called me and say, how can you be funny on a virtual presentation? Because you, you a comedian feeds off the laughter. Yes, sir. And when you don't hear it, how do you do it? You just got to know that you're funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? You just got to believe. You got to believe and trust. You got to be. Yeah, I've done the same thing. But I did it. And what a trip it is to find, to tap into a part of yourself. It's the higher part of yourself, your higher nature, your true self, your authentic self. When you tap into that, um, it's the ultimate empowerment where everyone else was going down. And a lot of people retired early in my business and uh, some of the bureaus were going out of business. Agents quit. And I just I'm having a blast now. And I like where I loved traveling and I'm not doing it as much now. I found another part of me and I love I love being by myself more than I ever did. I love the. I love the, doing the stuff that we're doing. I love doing podcasts after podcast, And I love sharing my experiences with other people, knowing that whoever is listening is going through the same stuff that I'm going through. They just have different stories to tell. And that's so how true. you learn. You learn through what we're doing, what you're doing right now is how people can learn. Mm-hmm. And the more they get involved in stuff like this, the more they can, when they, when they leave this, they're saying, hey, wow, this person overcame that. I can do this too. And you know what's amazing about other speakers though? And I'm not going to mention any names. I know guys that went through hell and they're not going to talk about the hell that they went through. Mm. The drug addiction, the alcohol addiction. I said, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, You're so fine. well known. Yeah, right. Quick, think about this. If they told people what they went through, and and these people in the audience are going, holy shit, if he went through that, mm-hmm. I can do this too. Amen. But they're afraid to expose that part of themselves. Why do you suppose that is? How can we help? How can we? Because I've been keen on this for a while. I'm not like 80% of my clients are all female. Yeah. But over the last year, I've, I've ran a clubhouse room uh, just for men. My buddy uh, Lee and I do it. I mean, it's just a men's group. We're just there, you know, helping men get vulnerable and get real with themselves and have the, have the wherewithal that that vulnerability creates connection. That connection can create healing and, and different insights into people. Cause I'm a, I'm an open book. I tell people all the time, like I struggle with depression. I have this, I deal with that, you know, alcohol, whatever. I'm always open because I feel like if I could, people sit there and think I got it all figured out and I've got this amazing life. I'm like, yeah, I have an amazing life. However, but I still am human and here's how I get through being human. Wow. And that's what that's what that's what people dig about the Ron and Scripted show and about what I do is they're like, Chris, you're just real. And if you more people were real, Steve, then we could have then we could have so many amazing more conversations. So how do we get how do we get people to be more vulnerable and and realize that it's great to talk about what it is that you're experiencing? Well, you, you just nailed it. You, they got to understand that they're only human. And when you become a person that's on the platform, a speaker, they don't like to lose that image that they are the go to person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some of them think they're 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 godlike and I'm not knocking them, but they have this this persona that they have all the answers and they don't want anyone to think that they're vulnerable in any way. Not realizing how much more powerful they would be if they were vulnerable. And I even say this in, in my new book there. There were always two. Gifts that I was given that I use as a speaker the uh my my sense of humor 
and the art of storytelling. Mm, but then yeah. I realized the third and most important and the most powerful was being vulnerable. When I allow myself to expose that part of myself and I let my attendees, my audience know what I went through and what I'm still going through, mm -hmm. um, you could just see the energy level. They're relaxed. And, 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 and you'll even see some people doing this yep. because they're saying, whoa, I had no idea. I had no idea because they looked at me as somebody like, wow, you know, you have it together. And we all have shit to deal with. It's true. We all do. We all have the ups and downs. As a matter of fact, if if you didn't have moments of feeling miserable, you wouldn't know what being happy means. You it's need, the economy yeah. of life. You need yep. right. You need one extreme to really appreciate the other. You need the so. yin and the yang, baby. You need the yin and yang. <laughs> so talk to me, since I'm the no excuses coach, I like to ask my guests this. What are some of the excuses that you have dealt with in your life and what have you done to get over them? Oh, number one is blaming circumstances and other people. Mm, talk to me about that. I used to blame my manager or I used to blame my agent for not doing this or for not sticking up for me or for not getting me the right bookings. How come this guy got this? And, you know, it's your ego talking. And I call the ego uh, the big mouth inside your head. Some people <laughs> some people call it the devil, uh, which might be pretty appropriate because if you listen to it, there will be hell to pay, you know. And um, you talk to this big mouth, which is the louder part, who is always a part of you, and you ignore that higher part of yourself, which is the God part of you, which speaks to you silently, but is incredibly powerful. But once you start acknowledging that part of yourself, the big mouth doesn't have a chance yeah. at all, at all. So I blame circumstances and situations. And uh, it's, it's when I started writing this book, when another evolution was taking place in me, where... I realized that this book, and it says it in the book, is based on three principles. Number one, you need to know without a doubt that you are the creator of your success and happiness. Okay? What that means is it's not what happens to you that determines how successful or how happy you're going to be. It's what you do about what happens. I already said that. The second mm -hmm. principle, yep. second principle is um, uh, you need to know that you're the only problem that you will ever have. And somewhere within you, there was a solution always waiting to be discovered. You just have to learn how to get out of your way so the, so the solution can reveal itself to you. And so what's that first step of getting out of your way? Yes. Excuse me? What's the first step of getting out of your way? Um, allowing yourself, instead of trying to beat the hell out of the problem of what's wrong, allow yourself some time to step away, to relax, to eat, meditate, go for a walk, and let it go for a day or two. Because the more you pound on it and pound on it, the more you feed it. You're, you're feeding that negative energy. The more you feed the negative energy, the worse you think it is. Mm -hmm. And as human beings, our condition is to make challenging situations more difficult than it has to be. And, and, and which leads to the third principle. Whenever you're confronted with a challenge or a problem of any kind, it's never a matter of managing the situation. It's always a matter of how you manage your mind. Yeah. Can you manage your mind and those toxic thoughts and emotions and beliefs that are keeping you from finding the solution that's waiting to be discovered. Mm. 
I love it, Steve. I love it. I love it. Um, yes, thank you for answering that because I'm, I'm very big in, in excuses because I think that, you know, when we give ourselves an excuse, we're like, we're doing that form of self-sabotage, like you were saying before, like, yeah. I don't have time. I don't have this. It's all about resources. It's all about how it is that we're becoming resourceful to become our best. And that's what I think about in life. My goal as a coach is to make you your best, like to take you from comfortably miserable to completely unstoppable and be able to fly your freak flag. That's what I tell people. That's one of my taglines. When you think about the fact that people say, Steve, I'm doing the best I can. Steve, I got this. I got this. I got that. I got Steve. I'm doing the best I can. What do you say to that? When people say they're doing the best they can, do you have a response to that? I look at them and I say, yeah, because I do give workshops sometimes. And sometimes people don't like to hear the crap I say to them. I said, I, I, I've known you well enough now to know that you think you're doing your best, but I'm telling you, you got to do some more deep rooted thinking because there are things about yourself that you're not admitting. And you're sabotaging your own happiness and success because you're still putting blame on society or whatever the situation may be, your husband, your wife, your mom and dad, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your boss or whatever. Uh, there's always an excuse. You can always use an excuse. But when you do that, you'll never come to the core of, of, um, of the problem, which is something within you. Something within you. So what, what, how can you measure your best? Because I think in terms of how being able to measure what my best is, I think blood, sweat, and tears is one of them. What's a good way to measure if we've done our best or if we're doing our best? Well, I can tell you, you do this and, and, and I don't even know you, but I already know that you do this. The way you can determine your best is to become aware that you're not being your best. Awareness is the key all the time. If you're not aware that you're screwing your life up somehow, some way, if you're not aware that you could have done a better job, you don't know that something's broken. And that's like I said earlier, if, if you don't know something's broken, you, you don't feel there's a need to fix it. Or if you don't know what's <clears> broken, <throat> you can't fix it. You have to know what it is. And you have to go along through the course of your day, every day, and just say, wow, that didn't work. What, what did I do that I could have done better? Yeah. Well, who can Reflecting self-reflective questions. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And exactly. then be honest with yourself and the answers. That's yeah. the key. Yeah. To be yeah. totally honest. Yeah. So with your journey and the things you've been through, Steve, how important has it been to you to have mentors and coaches and guides in your life to be able to sometimes tell you the things that you don't want to hear? Like, you know, I, I think of myself as, as no excuse coach, of course. And so people, I'd sit there and tell them exactly what they don't want to hear, but they need to hear. Same thing for me. I have those mentors and people in my life. Who is that for you? Who's been the mentors and the people who have been able to point things out to yourself? And has that been important for your growth? Oh, absolutely. And, and it's not necessarily meant mentors but there have been a few but it's everyday people friends family you know i'm i'm divorced now but i was married for 34 years and 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 you know i've been divorced congratulations yeah i've been divorced now five years so i have been divorced you know married 35 years but now it's over but my ex-wife was one person that always put me in my place you know <laughs> did you like that oh, oh, i'm serious and 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 just it was just bam, and that's what it would hit me. Like, for instance, if I was whining about something I thought I should have gotten, a booking that I should have gotten, or a, something that should have happened, she'll and she'll hear me going through half the day complaining about it, and she'll give me one of my books and said, um, do me a favor, don't leave the table until you read your own book and look at chapter three. <laughs> wow. You know? That's and nice. Go, oh, Oops. Oh. Yeah. I'll, I'll take my humble pie now. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's things like that. Friends just telling you stuff. Hey, you know, you could have said that a little lighter. You could have said that a little easier. Or, you know, maybe you should lighten up. Maybe you should go for a walk for a while or take a vacation or mm -hmm. whatever. And, and there were a few mentors. Tony Robbins was a big mentor for me. Uh, huge, huge. Uh, he what, what lessons did he teach you? Well, it's just he walks the talk more than anyone I know. Did you see it, the documentary, uh, You're Not My Guru? Yeah, yeah. 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 What'd you think? I, it, it was it was powerful. Yeah. It was powerful, but it wasn't him at his best. I, I don't think, mm -hmm. I don't think. And, and, um, you know, he, he put up a lot of scrutiny and he still does sometimes for a lot of people, but, um, uh, I have mentors that I never met from books that I read, uh, that, that, uh, my, my dear friend, Jeffrey Gittimer, I don't know if you know who Jeffrey is. Yep. Absolutely. Um, the, the book of sale. He's one of my closest friends and he doesn't even realize, um, but my biggest mentor of all times is my older brother Michael, who's hundred percent disabled from the Vietnam War. Oh my God, I'm sorry. The only the only man in medical history that ever survived that wound. He's in medical journals as someone who beat the odds. And uh, someday, if I ever on your show again, I we could just spend the whole time talking about his story. But what he did, how he not just survived but but thrived with this wound, is absolutely incredible. As a matter of fact, a lot of the strategies that I use. I, I learned not by what he told me, and he never told me anything. I just learned from his actions. Yeah. The actions yeah. Are you able to share a little bit of a story of you if you if you want? If you feel inclined, I can ask you other questions, but it, it's it's a long it's a long story. It's a long story. No worries, no worries. So um let's see, what have we talked about? Let me think. Um so what did you learn from your divorce? You can tell I like I like I like learning about what people Sometimes. learn. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes it helps me too. I've been. I'm the one that made years. the decision, okay, and I'm being vulnerable again. Nice. Because sometimes it hits a it hits a it hits a spot, and um, I learned after beating the shit out of myself for so many years. How could I do this? Why did I do this? Because it was devastating, not just for her but for me. I learned, and recently I learned it that sometimes making the right decision can be the most painful thing you'll ever do. Oh, say that again, Steve. That's powerful. I want people to hear that. Sometimes making the right decision can be the most painful thing you'll ever do. I have been there too, brother. Yeah. I have been. Yeah. I would I would be in a pine box or a, uh, a jail cell right now if yeah. I didn't make one of the toughest decisions I ever made in my life. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, another tough decision for me was leaving stand-up at the pinnacle of my career. Christopher, when I say that the industry was really into me, and now all of a sudden I'm going, eh, I want to do something else. You know, uh, it, it was, I had a lot of fear. I, I remember I had an argument with Drew Carey, my roommate. And he told me, you can't, you can't leave. This is before he was famous now. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he goes, you can't leave now. You're so close. And I went, what do you mean close? How can I be close to something that I don't want anymore? I got to do this. He goes, but you don't know how to do this. And I said, I know. And I, I didn't know. And that's where the fear came in. But I made the decision. It was very painful. But when you follow your heart, serendipitous things come to you that'll blow your mind, will blow Ooh. your opportunities that you would never fathom when you truly follow your heart's desire. And 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 you, you you're telling fear, I know you're there and you're going to be there for a long time, but I'm still doing this. 
I'm still doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Flick it off your shoulder. Exactly. Bob, or, uh, let me think. Steve, let me uh, thank you for for being here, for being vulnerable. I appreciate that. That's the whole thing here in the Ron and Scripted Show is just me and you having this conversation and being able to help people. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing everything else. Sure. Let's get into it. So talk to us about the process of writing your third book. Tell us about the first two books, uh, what they're about, what their titles are, and then talk to us about this new book, the title, and let's kind of get into that for a little while. Sure. My, my first book that I wrote, which is out of print now, I'm going to bring it back again, was called uh, Becoming a Humor Being. Becoming and, a humor uh, being. A humor nice. being. Got great testimonials for that one. Uh, Tony Robbins, Marianne Williamson, uh, uh, John Gray. Uh, wow. Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, uh, Wayne Dyer. Oh, uh, a lot God, of really heavy people gave me testimonials that. So that gave me courage to write another book. The next book, which did very well, was called Get Your Shift Together. Um, and the third book was Motivate This. And the next book is the newest book, which took me nine years to write, is Conversations with Bob, a timeless, entertaining dialogue for living an extraordinary life. Took me eight years to write it. The best thing I ever did. This is the reason why I was put on this planet. Wow, that is a powerful testimonial right there. What was that process like? What was what did it take so long? And and talk to us about that process of of going through your mind and, and writing this. Well, as I said, I'd been divorced for a while, but I left before the divorce was final. And it was seven years ago. And I got up, I got up from uh, living my house on Long Island. And uh, it was really weird, Christopher, because I, a lot of your viewers might not even believe this, but I woke up one morning and I looked at my ex-wife sleeping in separate rooms. And she knew I, we were going through this divorce and I was still living there. I said, I'm moving to California and I'm leaving in two weeks. I didn't even know how I was going to, where I was going to go, how I was going to get there. But I did have friends there. I just knew I had to leave. And I knew I had to go as far as I possibly could from New York. And California was probably one of the furthest places outside of Hawaii. And I wasn't going to go there. So I called some friends up. They set me up and I rented an apartment for two years in Marina Del Rey. And I had to face my demons. My negative labels came with a vengeance again. I was a pretty well-known speaker at the time. Things were cranking. and uh, But I felt as I was on stage that um, I wasn't walking my talk. There I am telling people that uh, they can be happy regardless of their circumstances. You're just focusing on their own stuff. And I'm talking about success. And, and, and I'm when, when I'm alone in my hotel room, I'm going, geez, I can't do this anymore. I mean, as I say in the book, would you trust a lifeguard that can't swim? You know, <laughs> that's a great analogy. You just can't. Yeah. So um, I always exercise. That always helped me. I've done that since I was 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And I'm working out at this 24-hour gym right near Marina Del Rey. And when I would work out at 4.30 in the morning, I would take a walk on the beach. And, and, uh, this was about maybe five 30 in the morning, one morning, the sun's coming up and, uh, I lost it. I mean, I lost it. I mean, tears and I'm cursing it at God. I'm yelling. If anyone would have heard me, they would have called the police and they would have thought that you just like lost it. your shit. You're saying this yeah, out loud. I'm kicking in the morning. You're, I'm, 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 kicking I'm a picture sand. person. I'm a picture I'm, person. <laughs> I'm yelling at the ocean. I'm yelling at the sun. I'm yelling at everything and I'm exhausted. 
And I what kicked that off? What kicked that moment off? What was what was the conversation going on in your mind? When I, was, you were just I had that I had that negative curse that? talk. Okay. This negative curse. I call it self curse talk. You, you're screwing up your life. How could you do this to yourself? Why would you leave? And blah 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 blah. Then all of a sudden, I took one step, and I said, "What the hell is wrong with me? And what am I doing here?" No sooner had I said that, Christopher heard something within me say you know why you're here and you know what's wrong. You're just too caught up in your own drama to find the answer. I don't want chills. I got in my car. I drove back to my apartment in Marina Del Rey. I took up my laptop, took up my pen. I, cause I knew that was a higher part of me answering me. Oh, I knew yeah. it was the God. The part. I knew it. The whisper. It was my inner Bob as it's called now. And I, I went, I run and I typed in another question and then another answer came. Then another one. I was there for hours and hours, and, and it wasn't long. It was yeah, a you're, you're, type, you're typing in a question into the computer, yeah, and, and, and your, I, your, your Bob is answering it. Exactly. Okay. Just want to exactly. make sure. I'm asking another question. All of a sudden, another answer's coming. Then another question. Then another answer's coming. I'm going, what is going on here? And I was in this automatic, this zone. You know, when you're in the zone, the I'm not even aware that I'm doing this for five hours. Low state. I let it go. I was exhausted. I went back to it the next day and the next day. And before I knew it, I was writing a book. And as I said, it took me seven years. And the reason why it took me seven years, is because every time I thought I was finished, Bob kept saying, no, you're not. Yeah. There are more lessons that you have to learn. So everything that I know about my life and what I believe can help other people is in this book. And, and you and personally as a matter of fact, Randy, Randy that just was on before. Yeah, Chaffee. Uh, he he bought a book. I sent a book to his son. Uh uh, and uh, I'm getting wonderful reviews on Amazon, and it's just a reconfirmation because you never know how anything's gonna work, you know, and it's just a reconfirmation that um it was worth the seven years. And then putting it aside and then having another experience that I had to wait until I experienced it and learn the lesson before I can continue writing. And Bob would wake me up at two in the morning, three in the morning. And I would have a conversation with him there and go, shit, can't you wait until I wake up in the morning? Normal <laughs> people. I'm still know? a human. I sleep. I'm God right. damn it. You know? No. Oh God damn and it. Times when I look like shit and I'm writing. But uh, it's finished now. And um, I'm halfway through book two. So. Okay, I've got a couple of questions I got to ask before my brain pops. Has your ex-wife read the book? I think she has. I know she saw. Uh, excuse me, she saw an advertisement on, on on Facebook somewhere, and she and she's so gracious as as always, and we still get along. You know, she's remarried now. Um, she wrote a heartwarming note and said, I, I hope it's a bestseller. And I knew that was coming from heart. Yeah. And uh, of, of, of course, I cried when I when, when I read that. <laughs> nice. You know? Nice. But and then my other question is, and thank you for answering that. Were you a religious person or, or a spiritual person before all this took place? Or was this kind of a another? I know of- I was on a spiritual quest a great part of my life since the early 80s. Um, very rarely a, a religious person. I, I never, I was raised Catholic, but I, I never considered myself a Catholic since my early 20s. I did it because that's the way I was raised. But I realized there was something wrong with that for me. Um, and this is not a religious book as it states in the book, but it is a very spiritual book. 
Great. It's about connecting to your inner Bob, whoever your Bob may be. And how God gets the name Bob, I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to read the book. And, <laughs> He's uh, giving us a teaser, guys. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm very spiritual. I know there's a higher part of all of us. Mm -hmm. And and it and, and this shows you how the law of attraction really works and why it works. And it doesn't show favorites. It doesn't know right from wrong, true or false, or fair or unfair. It only knows the information that you give out to yourself, the thoughts. What you think is what you get is so true. It it could be frightening. It's that's it my coach. My coach was just saying that last Wednesday. Literally last Wednesday, we were talking about uh, something I was going through and flipping the fucking switch. We got some more people in the house. We got Ray Secreghost in the house. What's up, Ray? This is Misfits for Life. I appreciate you being here, buddy. Robert, you're writing a book. I'm going to have to go back and read yours because they all usually flow together. Um, Jacqueline says, the kick-ass Irish woman is in the house listening to the two great dudes. Thank you for being here. Appreciate you. Um, let's see. We've got... Lynn Serrano in the house. She says, hi guys, it's Lynn Serrano. Much love to you both shared. Appreciate you. Thank you. I'm not sure why it's this Facebook user, but da -da -da -da. we got uh, Katie McNamer in the house. What's up, Katie? Great to see you. Thank you. Uh, let me know how you're doing. Katie and I had a great conversation recently. She says, love this conversation. Powerful. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. We got amen, Steve. I believe that's from Lynn. Um, and we got Randy Chaffee saying 75 pages in outstanding. Yes, I will be getting that book as well. I usually try to read the books before Thanks, I Randy. do before I interview my guests, but I am literally reading like three books. I'm in charge of a book club and then I just reading another book on my Kindle for somebody else that I'm proofreading for. And I'm just like, ah, but I will definitely be getting this in that process. In have you heard of the hero's journey? Oh, yeah. Okay. Joseph Campbell story. Oh, yeah. So, talk, so, so explain that because I explain this a lot on my show. I talk about this a lot. I tell people to go watch the Joseph Campbell story. It's on YouTube. It's an hour and 23 minutes or something like that. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. It's free. Free. Go watch it. Yes. But talk to the talk to the people listening and watching this right now about the hero's journey and how that relates to the writing of the book. Because I see that absolute correlation. You, you, <clears throat> first of all, I love what you do and the way you do it. You, you are you. just so, so good at what you do. I mean, well, this is this is a trip for me because of what we're meshing here, and that that's a good thing. That's a great thing. But just what you said, and I know there's a higher connection here. I can tell by just what you just said. Years ago, when this book was being written, I I was very careful on who I gave it to to read, and I gave it to a friend of mine, and he read it in its early stages, and he was just blown away by it, and he said he knew what I was going through. And he said, Steve, you're on the hero's journey. You're on the hero's <laughs> journey. He goes, I'm going to tell you something right now. This book isn't finished yet. And it's not going to be finished for a while. And you're not going to like to hear this, but your inner Bob is going to tell you when it's ready. When he thinks that this part of your journey is over, he goes, you're living the journey. And what the journey is for me and for everyone is the trials and tribulations that we all go through. And it's, it's again, and I know this sounds repetitious, but you need to know this. It really isn't what happens to us that determines how successful and how happy we're going to be. It's really what we do about it. It's the choices we make. It's the thoughts we have about the challenge. And it's also about suffering. 
you have to be able to suffer. We have this thing in this country where people, something tragic happens and they have to say, I have to keep my emotions intact. No, you don't. You have to feel the pain. That's part of the hero's journey. Yes. You have to feel it because suffering, the death of a loved one, the death of a child, the death of your spouse, the death of a friend, the losing of a job, whatever it is, suffering is part of the healing process because you're actually acknowledging that, wow, I'm hurting. You're acknowledging your true feelings. Why would you want to stifle that? But mm -hmm. having said that, another part of the hero's journey is, yes, suffering may be unavoidable, but just suffering can be avoided. And it's different for everyone. The time mm -hmm. span of suffering is different. But what I'm saying is, occasionally, you have to take a sacred time out and find the things that you're grateful for as simultaneously as you're suffering. Yeah. And we could all do that, but it's different for everyone. And once you acknowledge it and you could say, wow, yes, and I, I know this, this could be hurting a lot of people and it can touch a lot of people, but if someone close in your family passes away unexpectedly or even tragically in time, you're going to have an opportunity where you could acknowledge other people in your family, another son or a daughter that you have. And you might say, oh, my God, I'm so grateful that I have this one. Yes. I'll always feel the pain for this, but I am so grateful for this one. I am so grateful uh, maybe at some point where I was able to feel that much pain to love that much. And when you do that, you're igniting that higher part of yourself, which is saying to you, life still goes on within you and without you. And um, it's your choice to focus on what could put you in a better place. And it's not disregarding that you're always going to feel that pain, but in time, it shifts to a different realm and mm -hmm. you're able to manage it. You're able to manage that pain. It's always going to be there. And you're always going to hear that song or that smell or someone's going to say something that will remind you of that person and allow yourself, allow yourself that time to weep, to, to feel it. But then know, I got to go back to life again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got it. And another way of looking at this is think of the person who is deceased. And think that you will be honoring them by living your life to the fullest. 1,000%. I say that to people all the time. The yep. best way you can honor somebody who's passed away is living their honor by what you think they would want you to do right now. What they want you. And I did that personally. That was a, it's funny you mentioned that, Steve. I was driving home from my ex-sister-in-law's funeral. She was my, I still call her my sister. She was my ex-wife's sister. And I gave the eulogy at her funeral. And I was driving home and I was like, I'm going to go home and drink and smoke and just like, just have a pity party. And I was just so fresh. She was 33 years old. She had a three-year-old son. She was taken suddenly. And I was, you know, having one of those moments, I guess, you know, talking to God and like, what the fuck? Blah, 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 blah. I'm just going to go home and, you know, party and just my way of processing. Right. And I sat there and I looked at the seat next to me. God's honest truth. Looked at the seat next to me and I thought, oh, I get chills every time I talk about this. If Tiffany were sitting here right now, what would she say? Would she say, yeah, Chris, go home and get all fucked up and da, da, da. I'm in a better place, Chris. How about go home and call some people you haven't talked to in a while? How about go home and journal? How about go home and write a poem? How about go write a letter to me? You know, go do something productive. Don't let my death be something that you're mad and you're sad about. Go out there and use my life to go lift other people up. And God's honest truth, I went home. I think wow. I had a couple of drinks, but my perspective was like, and ever since then, ever since then, Steve, I've handled that and I've, I've helped people handle that in such a way, um, not perfect, but you know, in such a way they're like, 
would that person want you to be this miserable right now? Yes or no? No. Okay. What would that person say to you right now? If they were sitting right here, go, you knew you're going through this. What would they say right now? They would tell me this. Okay. Would you take their advice? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. And I, I walk them down a path to try to get them to a point where they're okay. At least I'm now I'm, I'm, I'm stable. Cause a lot of people are unstable when people pass, but man, this has been a powerful, powerful conversation. Thank you so much for being here. I definitely want to have you back and talk about your brother's story and exemplify his, uh, his yes, uh, honor and what he's done for the United States and uh, our freedoms. Where can people, what are some final thoughts? that you want to roll into everything of what we talked about tonight and where can people, and then let people know where they can get a hold of you and get a hold of your book. Um, all right. All right. My, my, my mission, as I think, you know, um, uh, for the rest of my life is to get the message that is in the book to let you all know that we are all more powerful than we can possibly imagine. And that there is a part of us that we can commune with and talk to at any time you want to. And this book shows you how to connect and communicate with that higher part and how to stifle the big mouth inside your head. The book is about two people, your inner Bob and Bernie. Bernie lives in the negative zone. It's it's a funny book. Bob is hysterical. Um, and you could purchase the book and find out all about the book and go to your yourinnerbob.com yourinnerbob.com. There are little excerpts from the book that you could read before you purchase it. And um, there are video clips that you can clip onto that I call the word according to Bob, where you'll hear different messages that are within the book. And um, all I ask if you really, really like it, and I believe you will, is just to give a, a review on, on Amazon. Um, if we all do this and work together, we're all a part of spreading this message out to people. Um, Hell yeah. And they can also get a hold of you. Um, it's, uh, you got your YouTube page, right? Uh, your inner Bob, um, no, that's your inner Bob.com. We got that one. And then we got, uh, Steve Rizzo.com, right? That's my website, Steve Rizzo.com. Yes, please. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. yeah I want to make sure I got those two in there. Um, Thank you so much, Steve, for being here. And, and really, just more importantly, I just want to thank you for your honesty and your transparency. I know I've asked you some tough questions tonight. You weren't able, you weren't, uh, you didn't bat an eyelash. You, you answered them all. And that's, I applaud you for that. And I appreciate that because my audience, the people that, that watch this show and follow the show and listen to the show, that's what they appreciate. They appreciate that connection. They appreciate that servitude that you have gone through those journeys. So thank you, brother, for being on here. We'll definitely uh, re we'll arrange a conversation. Perhaps you know what we'll do? We'll have you on my unfiltered experience, and we'll talk about your brother's show. And my 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 co-host on that one, Scott, can get that chance to meet you as well. That'll be great. I love and you. You really are really good at what you do, and I appreciate you so much. And um, I'm looking forward to being on your show again. Cool, cool. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm going to put you in the backstage. Don't go anywhere. I want to connect with you after the show. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Holy shit. Did we cover a lot of territory in 45 minutes, 54 minutes? We covered a lot of territory. Put in the comments what it was for you about what Steve said that ignited something in your heart tonight. Think about it. Put it on, put it in there. What was it that Steve said, or maybe something I said that really gets you to think about your life differently? And that's what the show's all about. That's what this conversation is all about, is how you can sit there and take what Steve and I were talking about and go, hey. Let me ask myself that question. You know, I, again, pen and paper, write this shit down, write this shit down. Because if you're just coming here and getting inspired and going, oh, that was a great show. Oh my God, it was another great show, Chris. But you stay, you go back to your normal life and you continue to do the same shit over and over again, then you're insane. Then you're kind of, you're kind of here, you're kind of stupid. You know, I just hate to say that, but you know, don't do the same shit over and over again, expecting, hoping, wishing, and praying that something's going to change. What Steve said tonight, that last part, 
talking about that hero's journey and talking about he said he knew he had to write this book at each period and point in his journey. I can align with that so much. And each and every one of you, I'm sure can as well. We think that once we get done with this particular challenge or obstacle, then life is going to be easy. You know, you think about when we're kids, they sit there and say, oh, you know, get good grades in school and go to college and buy a house and have a family. And then one day you get to what? You get to what? 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 I get to retire. Oh, okay. I get to retire. Oh, the Mecca. I won't have any problems anymore. I have all the money in the world. I can eat M&Ms and I can watch uh, the Jetsons and I can lay around in my underwear. That's what retirement is. You know, no, there is no retirement. There is only opportunities for us to face the challenges that come into our life and say, hey, listen, I got two choices. I can be part of the solution or I can be part of the problem. I can run from it or I can face it. I can stand up to it and sit there and have resiliency and, and find out what the best is I could possibly do. What is my best? What is your best? What is your best? Blood, sweat, and tears. Get up an hour early. Go to bed an hour late. Do something on your lunch hour. Cut 15 minutes out of here and there and, and, and do something. What is it that you have to do differently in order to get different results? I can't do that for you. I can inspire you. I can tell you all sorts of questions to ask yourself. I can give you books to read. I can give you podcasts to do. But my point is this. Unless you take action on those things, and that's what Steve was talking about. He took action. He heard a whisper and said, fuck, I'm going to move to California. I'm going to get an apartment and be ready to Delray. I'm going to do these things. He went and followed that whisper. He went and followed that. He didn't listen to his logical mind and go, well, I guess I should probably get a job right now. And I should probably go buy, you know, another house and go. To... He's like, what does my whisper say? I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. How often do you ever go with it? How often do I ever really go with it? I mean, I go with it a lot, actually, to be honest with you. That's just the way I live my life. We're on unscripted. But my point is this. Where is it that you're going? Who is it that you're becoming? When are you going to write your book? What book are you going to write? Write your life story for damn sure, because that is going to be an amazing opportunity. I'm almost done. Actually, I was, I was just to be just to just to tell you, I I I, I stare at it now. This is the this is the mock-up color. This is the mock-up cover. It's just you and me, kid. Ooh, look at that. Christopher Roush, Ron, a script. That's a big old book. Yeah. Truth be told, Dave Grohl's on the back of it. <laughs> this is a mock cover. Um, so anyways, you got to write your book. My book's going to be out later this year. And like I said, at the top of the show, if you missed the top of the show, go check it out. My website's up there. Um, anybody who is on in my newsletter, again, go to ChristopherRoush.com, hit the contact page, sign up, get in the newsletter. Anybody who's in my newsletter will get immediate access or not immediate access. We'll get access to the new courses and the programs that I'm putting together. You'll get first bat, first dig at it. You'll get first opportunity at a way reduced price. It's just my way of saying thank you, giving you an opportunity to check it out give me feedback on it. So those people that are in the newsletter will get the first crack at it. And then people in my social media will get a crack at it as well. It's just my way of making sure that those of you who really are interested in what Christopher has to offer are a part of my group. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Come back here again every single Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And again, I'll put the link for the podcast in there, but whatever podcast, just go type raw and unscripted podcast. You'll find it everywhere. And please subscribe to it. Subscribe even if you don't listen to it, because I know you watch it here because you got the destruction to go here to go get that. Anyways, Kellen Ann, thank you so much, darling. I look forward to catching up with you on Friday. We were supposed to meet today, but we both have crazy schedules and clients to serve. She says, epic, epic. Did you hear what Steve said about me? Oh my God, I'm going to go back and play that again. Ray says, amazing. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. And yes, Robert, you're a little bit all over the map. I was reading your, your posts and I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. I love you. Bring your freak flag to the show every single week. I appreciate you, brother. Whatever I can do to support you, you know I'm in your corner. We got Eric Ferguson. Love you, brother. Sorry I missed this. Yes, you didn't miss it because you can go back and listen to it again and you can watch it again because it's on replays forever, ever, and always. I love you guys. Go out there and be brilliant. We'll see you next time on the Ron and Scripted Show. 
by the way, I'm going to Italy next Tuesday. Ah, got some recorded shows coming up for you. I love you guys. Peace. Stay classy. Stay kick ass. And we're out. Are we out yet?